Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's coaching coordinator podcast. We're going to talk about defensive line play, building trust in the position room, how important the eyes are in being able to get the right run fits and be effective on the defensive line. And joining us to discuss those things is defensive line coach at Eastern Kentucky, Jeremy Hawkins. Coach, it's great to have you here today. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on, brother. You're doing a heck of a job with your podcast. I really enjoy it, watching a few of them. So I cannot wait to get started with you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Coach, uh, before we get into some of those topics today, I want our, our listeners to learn a little bit about you. You've uh, made some stops along the way. I've had some great experiences. So, you know, even prior to that, though, what was it that really made you want to become a football coach and do this as a career? Heck, if, if we go back and, and start from the beginning after I finished playing, I, I got into the real world, I guess you could say a real nine to five um, at a youth detention center. And I did that for a, a calendar year and I hated every day of it. So I gave my old head coach a call at Troy University, Coach Blakeney, and he was like, you know, you can come back in GA for me. It's done a lot of money, but you can do that. And I went back in GA and, you know, kind of got into it from there. It, it was, it was a real life experience for me that kind of got me back into the the coaching realm of things. I knew I had, I knew I wanted to do it from the beginning after, you know, playing the game, but I just didn't know how to get into it. You know, I didn't have an idea how to get into the coaching side of it. So me calling my head coach was like a, a cry for help. Like, please help me. Well, what can I do to get out of this real world thing, you know, and, and, and be able to provide, you know, for at, at the time it was just myself, just have a job and, and be happy about what I'm doing and not be, miserable about going into the office but um I called him and he told me to come back in GA for him and I did that um did it for a semester uh I actually got a a full-time you know restricted earnings job at University of Central Oklahoma before I could even start a season with with Troy as a grad assistant mm -hmm. so I got that phone call and man well he got the phone call and he told me about it and coaching running backs and tight ends at the University of Central Oklahoma and I was you know, I was kind of confused, like, Coach, uh, you know, I've never played or anything to that nature, knew a thing or anything about running back and tight end. He said, yeah, I know, but it's a job. <laughs> you know, and if you want to get in this business, a coach is a coach, and you better learn how to coach. I'm like, okay. So, uh, you know, I, I, I had to sit down with um Coach Beck. Coach Beck was at the time. He, he's the um now the running backs coach at Middle Tennessee. Um, and I just kind of you know, got all his drills and he told me what and what not to do. And, you know, I, I kind of just did what he did, you know, and I th I'm thankful for that because I had no clue. I had to go there and learn that offense to kind of understand, you know, how, how to be a running backs and tight ends coach. And I ended up having an all-American running back and all-conference tight end. It wasn't me. Those guys were, <laughs> were pretty good players, so I just didn't mess them up. So I, I ended up leaving there and taking the job at Dublin High School and um, became the D-line coach there for Coach Holmes. Learned a lot on Coach Holmes. He's a, you know, if anybody know about Tennessee or Georgia high school football, Coach Holmes is pretty legendary. 
Yes, he is. So I, I worked up under him for two years, and he, he molded me to kind of, you know, be who I am today. And I'm thankful and grateful for Coach Holmes. He, he helped me, you know, get my foot in the door in the college ranks. So that's, that's, that's what I did. He, he helped me get my name out there. He allowed me to go and interview and do, you know, um, different clinics and things of that nature um, to learn about the college game. So did that, um, you know, get a bunch of interviews and I just didn't quite, you know, have the experience because that's what guys were looking for. Right. But, you know, I, if you don't have the experience, you need to get it. So I was trying to get it and I, I, I didn't get the opportunity. The only opportunity that presented itself to me was Middle Georgia State College. And it, at the time it was a defensive coordinator job. So I go there as a defensive coordinator and within two weeks of the job, the head coach, he's an older guy, he had a heart attack. Oh man. Yeah. He's okay. <laughs> but um <laughs> it it was one of those deals where I'm like, okay, well, who's gonna be the new head coach? You know, heck, am I gonna be able to stay on? And you know, I just got here and and the A D brought me in and he's like, you know, we, we wanna interview you for the head coaching job. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm not a head coach, I'm not nowhere near it in my mind. So I've never wanted to be a head coach, but I uh, prepared for the interview. I interviewed for the job, and they hired me. And we ended up winning nine games that year and had a pretty good season, and which propelled me to, you know, get an opportunity at UAB with Coach Clark. Um, and they had just shut down their program at UAB. So after they shut down, uh, I was, you know, thinking about, like, okay, is, is this really a good opportunity for me? But – you know, once he told me the plan that he had, the vision he had, you know, um, that's all I needed. You know, I needed an opportunity for FBS Division One program, and he gave me my first opportunity to get my foot in the door, which I, in two years of recruiting, uh, you know, on the road recruiting, on the field coaching, that was, you know, great, a great situation for me in my career and learning on how to do this thing, you know, and. Um, after two years of doing that, we had a season in, in 17 and ended up, ended up winning eight games and became bowl eligible, you know, and, and got the opportunity to go to, to Bahamas Bowl and, you know, and, and heck, had a great time out there. And, and the game didn't come out like we wanted to. It, it, it wasn't a, a great game for us, but it was a great opportunity for our program, for, for UAB and for myself. Heck, when I was at UAB, you know, we had two top 50 recruiting classes. You know, and without any facilities, without a football team, without anything, we had a top 50 recruiting class two years in a row. So I guess that that kind of helped me propel my name out there a little bit. And heck, I, I get a call from Ed O'Dron and I'm and I'm think I'm thinking people are joking with me. I'm thinking this I'm thinking it's a joke, you know. And I'm trying to figure out if this if this really is Ed, Ed O'Dron and my talk that I'm talking to right now, and it was, and, you know, and I interviewed for that director player personnel job, assistant director player personnel job, and actually got it on the first, you know, the first day I went there and interviewed, and at the end of the day, Coach O pulled me to his office like, I want to hire you. And he asked me the question, how did I, you know, get a top 50 recruiting class at UAB two years in a row without any facilities? I, you know, my answer was, I'm just, I'm just being myself, coach. <laughs> I was, you know, just being me. And he said, good, that's what I want. And um, brought me in. So I uh, did a year there and they, they were, I think, 17th at the time in, in recruiting, which is really, 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 really bad for LSU and the SEC. So one thing that I, that I did was I made sure that, when I went in there, I, I made an impact. You know, it, it was it didn't have to be like a a complete, you know, overhaul. Mm -hmm. They they weren't that bad when 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 it, when it came to a, a prestigious program. You know, they are LSU. This is the SEC, so I, I had to do small things, and you know, build relationships, help these kids help this recruiting class build relationships with each other um and that's what i did so it was it was fun to do that and we ended up having the top five recruiting class 
because of it. Um, signed some real, some real top, top-notch guys, and you know, got back to rolling. We got Joe Burrow in there, had played a big part in that, and you know that 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 helped out tremendously. Uh, we got a bunch of transfers, to be honest with you, that that helped us out. You know, Division One transfers from other Power Five schools that they weren't using their guys. Okay, well we can use them. You know, that type deal, and we we got Joe in there, and. You know, the rest is history. Everybody knows what happened after that. He, he had a stellar career at LSU. He broke almost every record at quarterback at LSU. So that's one of those things where, you know, I, I learned from that. I learned from the recruiting process, and, and that helped me out, you know, with learning how to, you know, you recruit at UAB and you recruit at LSU. It's completely different. Yeah. Completely different. It's it's two different levels. It's Man, it's, it's, it's unique in its, in, its, in its own way from recruiting from UAB to LSU. So, uh, and then, you know, once after a year of that, I'm kind of looking, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I need to, I need to get back on the field, period. Mm -hmm. I need to get back on the field. I'm a football coach. I'm not a player personnel guy. So that's, that's what I decided to do. It was, was get back on the field. And I had opportunity to interview at a few places on coach O. He even helped me out a few times to, get interviews and try to help me out get to get me on the field as, as a football coach, which he knew I was. Mm -hmm. um, uh, he knew the opportunity wasn't going to be at LSU for my first, you know, on the field, but division one position job. So he was trying to help me to get one. And I got the couple of interviews and got offered a few other jobs that were that just a lot further away than I really wanted from where I'm from. So when the, when the opportunity presented itself to take a job at Mercer, in Georgia, that's you know where I'm from, born and raised in America's Georgia, which is an hour and a half maybe from Macon. So, when the opportunity presented itself, I had to take that opportunity. Um, didn't go into a real good situation there. Um, had a, had a really de really decent D line. Uh, we ended up having two two all conference guys started two walk ons, three walk ons through the season. And, you know, but we, 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 we grinded it out and we figured it out how, how to play D-line. So it, it was a, it was a tough deal. Won four games, went into a situation where the head coach, uh, Bobby Lamb, great guy, love him to death. You know, um, it just wasn't in good blessings. He, he wasn't in a good situation with the AD. And, and at that time, it was already kind of a, a situation where we had to win when I got in there. And if we didn't win, we were getting fired, and that's what happened. We won four games and got fired, and I was I was searching for a job again um, soon after. And opportunity presented itself at EKU with Coach Wells, and thankful for that. And heck, when we just got here, and and now now COVID COVID came along and kind of you know just jumped on our back, and it became that bear that that kind of tucked us down. You know, and with COVID, it was an unexpected thing. It, it was something that, you know, we had to deal with that, that wasn't, you know, a natural thing to deal with. So we had to adjust. And with that, with that adjustment, we had to play a schedule that was the toughest schedule that we had to play and the toughest schedule in school history, period. Mm -hmm. I mean, we played Marshall, we played, which is a top 25 team. You play West Virginia, which is a a a, a team that that competes in this conference for its conference championship every other year. Um, you play uh, Troy, which is a team that, of course, I played for in college, but it is a team that competes for the Sun Belt Championship. Yep. You know, and we played two two top ten FCS schools throughout the year, so we didn't play a, 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 a OVC conference game at all. You know, it was we went all around the world, <laughs> and to say to say that we you know played a the toughest schedule in school history was was good, but we wanted to end the season off with it with a with a bowl game, and 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 that's what they our administration did for us, and we ended up winning the game, and you know at the end of the day we know that these kids were working their tail off and went through a lot in this world and this in the world right now with COVID and everything else that these kids had to go through. Um, it's they, they, they deserve to have a bowl game in this season here. And 
And it's what we did, and, and, and we won the game. So they're champions. No matter what the record says, they're champions. Well, I think anybody who can find their way onto the field this year and, and deal with this adversity is – uh, has shown a lot in terms of being a successful person. Coach, as I, I look back at your experiences here and even starting out with, you know, your first experience in coaching is doing something that you're not familiar with at all. Never played running back, uh, coaching running backs and tight ends. Uh, then, you know, just the different stops along the way, you know, being a personnel director, et cetera. Um, let's start with that first one. Do you think having to – you know, coach something you weren't familiar with. Uh, how, how did that really help you develop as a, a coach, maybe as compared to as if if you went right away into coaching defensive line? Right. And, and, and coaches say if you're a coach, you're a coach. If you can coach, you can coach anything. And, heck, when I first heard that, I was like, whatever, man. I'm a D-line guy, you know. Coach D-line, that's it. But I feel like me going through that situation when my back was against the wall and I had to learn this offense, the spread offense. I had no idea what, how, what, or no terminology. I had, I had no, I hadn't, I was never, I was not prepared for that job, you know, and, but it made me a better coach. I had to come in and do all the extra, extra things to learn this, this offense. I had to come in and, and learn it, you know, and, and make sure that I knew it fluently. So when I get in my meetings with my players, they didn't notice that I didn't know this offense, you know, that they're like a shark in the water. They, they smell blood, man. They're going to pounce. Sure. So I had to do extra meetings with myself, coordinators, and, and learn this. And I would prepare my meetings, you know, prior to the kids coming. I would get on the board and, and, and draw what I need to draw. I would prepare presentations that need to be prepared prior to the meeting now you know as a coach that's 10 years in it's you know meetings are like you know nothing to me it's like clockwork you know it's as simple as easy because I already have it set up I know what I want to do like I had never had a, meet, a meeting before I'm here I'm, I'm a position coach I have never been a position coach I'm 23 years old and I'm coaching running backs and tight ends so it 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 helped me as a as a man, as an individual, uh, you know, as a coach to just know the grind that you got to put in to be what you want to be. I knew I wanted to be a coach. I knew I wanted to be my profession, so I was not going to fail. You know, I, I made myself do what I need to do to learn this position as a coach, to be able to teach it to my kids. I had cheat sheets, wristbands at practice. You know, if I didn't know something, I, I would go through it with the court and what we had to do for that day. You know, I would have wristband cheat sheets on, on and I would have a cheat sheet practice schedule. You know, it, it would be catered to what I need to coach and how I need to coach it. You know, I have my notes typed out on it or written out on it. And, I, you know, by game six, to be honest with, be honest with you, that that's when I kind of felt real comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it took a minute. You know, I went right in there in July. And we got rolling. You know, I, I didn't have time to get comfortable with it. I just had to know what I had to know and basically regurgitate that and, and teach those kids the best way I knew how. So I, I think it helped me just overall just with the preparation of, of being a, 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 a football coach with the grind of putting all the hours in to, to learn, you know, a, a unique offense that, that was, you know, I say unique, unique to me because I never coached the offense side of the ball. You know, so it, it, it helped me in, in, in so many ways. I didn't even know it was helping me because now when I look back at it, I'm like, man, this is easy what I'm doing now compared to what I did then, you know. Coach, I think another impactful experience had to be, you know, being at LSU. And again, you're in a position, you're off the field. You're seeing three things through a, a different lens at, in being a, you know, a personnel guy uh, and, you're learning from one of the best when it comes to something important you said there's, you know, and I know coach really believes it is be yourself, right? How do you excel at recruiting and, you know, what we're going to talk to or talk about here in a little bit, you know, building that, that trust with your players, all that really stems from being yourself. So talk to us just a little bit about, 
that experience with, with Coach O, um, those things you, you really picked up that you feel are going to be a big part of who you are and what you do as a coach moving forward? No doubt. Um, one thing that I, I truly picked up is that he is a grinder. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, in the office, 4.35 a.m. and rolling all night. Um, and he is a heavy, he, he's heavy into recruiting. That's his thing. You know, anybody that knows Coach O, he is big time with recruiting. That, that's what he, he understands that these players are the lifeline of this program. You know, they, they, if we don't have the players, then, you know, coaching is overrated, <laughs> you know, especially in the SEC, sure. you know, heck anywhere, you know. So he put a lot of pressure on me and my staff of guys to produce. You know, what I mean by that is it was small things that we had to do to make sure that he and the rest of the assistant coaches and um, the, the defense and the offensive analysts, all those analysts and, and, and QCs, they knew um, who we needed to take, you know, and who we needed to recruit and how we needed to recruit this kid. So uh, we did, you know, really deep research on these kids. You know, I had a staff where it was me and, and four and three other full-time guys, and it was roughly 13 student assistants that, that helped out tremendously to help, to, you know, do the research on these kids, get to know them or without getting to know them, you know, for, on their behalf. And then once they got all the information, that we needed, we got to know them before the coaches got to know them, you know, and we would, you know, relay this over to the coaching staff. Okay, these are who these kids are. This is what we need to do. This is the angle you need to take. This, this is the champion. This is who you need to talk to. This is who you don't need to talk to. This is what you need to say to this person. And it was, we wanted to make sure that each coach was, everything was simplified for them to recruit this top recruit, if that makes sense to you. We wanted to make sure everything was simplified and cleaned up before it even got to the coach. So if we had a kid on the board that was a top running back in the nation, right? Of course, these coaches know about them, but they don't know about them, if, if that makes sense to you. They know about the kid. They see his rankings. They, they, they've seen him play. But now let's dig into this kid and who he really is. Who's his champion? And when I say champion, who is going to be the most influential person in his recruiting? And we find out who that is. If that's the mom, if that's the dad, if that's the, you know, the trainer, if that's the, you know, person that just takes him around and, you know, shows him off. Um, if that's the head coach, if that's his position coach, if that's his grandmother, is that, is guidance counselor, whoever that person is, we have to find out who it is. And we don't want to do it by just, hey, hey, kid, um, who's your most influencing you in your recruiting? You know, we want to get to know the kid, actually. We don't want to just like, you know, we don't want to be robots here. We want to want to get to know the kid and get to know him and who he is and what he stands for. And then once you do that, you figure out who that champion is. And then now you got to start recruiting a champion. Because if you recruit the champion, you win over the champion, and usually that champion will tell that kid, hey, that's the school you need to go to. So that's kind of how we built that relationship. And once we find out who the champions were, we would have conversation with, with the champions and and um, and have these kids in group in group text messages and, and have them just have regular conversations. Mm -hmm. And I would be in there starting a conversation, and it's just a, a normal deal. You know, we got freaking 20 guys in the group in the group chat. And I'm, I'm talking about all of them, just having a regular conversation, just talking about life. What are you guys doing? You know, he in class right now, that type deal, you know, just having normal conversations with these guys, it, it went a long way. You know, because, yeah. you know, they don't really get a lot of that, to be honest with you. They, they, they get the, just talk about football, talk about grades, and that's it, you know, so. Well, and, and you and I, before we got going, we're talking about the challenges in recruiting right now and you know this particular class 
this, this next group of signees um, really has not been in a period that it wasn't a dead period, right? This is pushed all the way to April right now. And so I think the things that you picked up and learned while you're at LSU and learned from Coach O and, you know, all the things that you just mentioned really are going to be something that's an advantage for you here in recruiting. No doubt. And, man, and the recruiting right now is, you know, um, very unique, <laughs> to say the least. It's going to be a full year, really, where – and probably it's going to be prolonged past that where you can't, you know, actually go see a kid. You can't get them on campus to see you and see your campus and see your facilities and meet your coaching staff. So, heck, yeah, that's kind of what we're doing now. It's kind of what I have been doing. And I'm sure a lot of, a lot of colleges and universities are, are, are doing what we're doing here at EKU. We, I, I present to my guys on Zoom on why I want them to come here. And, I, you know, we've got, we've got virtual tours. Um, we have, you know, you know, presentations of their plan, their four- to five-year plan at this university. Um, and we present to them like we will present to them if they were on campus. You know, after we show them that virtual tour and we present to them and present to their families and, and heck, I still find out who the champion is and, and all my recruits. And, uh, and I make sure I recruit the champion, you know, outside of just talking to the kid, you know, and I would, you know, still do the group messages. So you, you're 100% correct. That, that helped me, you know, um, now in my coaching, you know, as far as my you know, um, coaching in my position and helped me also with recruiting my position and recruiting other positions. You know, um, I learned a lot at LSU. It, it was very unique to be at a player personnel role, but I learned so much at that player personnel role. I basically became a recruiting coordinator in the SEC because I, I, I dictated where, where, where coaches were going to go on the road. I mapped out everything. I, I had a, a huge book for Coach O and, and other coaches that, you know, that kind of told them where to go and how to go and, and who to talk to and when to talk to them. And and they would call me while they was on the road. Hey, I just talked to such and such. It went well, and I would take my notes, and I would, you know, type it up and get it printed out for when they come in. We can have another recruiting meeting about how, you know, that week of recruiting went before they hit the road again. So, um, learned a lot and it was a, a valuable situation, but it helped me to this day with recruiting. And now that recruiting has really been shut down for kids to come on campus and for us to go see them, that really, that, that method ha has helped a lot. And I think a lot of schools have went to that, you know, the, all the Zoom calls, all the FaceTime calls, all the group chats, and you have to do it. You know, now it's making everybody recruit, <laughs> you know. It's making recruiters out of everybody, even guys that are not recruiters. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, the re recruiting never stops uh, once a kid's on campus, right? You, you talked about building that relationship with them in recruiting and that being something you pointed to as to why LSU was able to do what they could do and, and part of what you're doing now. Um, but you have to keep building that trust, right? And that – to you is is the important part when you're looking at how you build that position room and how you truthfully get to the heart of your players so that you, you, you're getting them to do all the things that you need for you guys to be successful on the field. Correct. No doubt. No doubt. And that's one, one thing that you do when you, when you get those guys on campus, you, you get to know who they really are. And that's one thing that's that's going to be missing from recruiting um you you can you can zoom call all you want you can facetime and you can have phone conversations all you want but that part of getting to know an individual in person you know looking that young man in the eye looking their parents in the eye seeing the mannerisms of this kid understanding the mannerisms of the parents and the grandparents and just actually getting them on campus to see who we are, who you are, you know, and that's something unique in itself that's going to be missed, you know, big time. But when I recruit and when I get kids on campus, 
it, it stems from that recruiting process. I, I like I like I like I said from the beginning. I, I am who I am. I'm, I'm naturally, you know, can speak well. I'm natural. I'm natural people's person. They kind of, you know, gravitate to me because I'm just you know 100% honest and real with these kids. So missing that part of it is missing a huge part of it because when I get my, if I was recruiting a defense alignment and I got him on campus and I was able to, you know, see him on campus and talk to him and meet him and let him see who I am um, face to face. And I tell that kid and recruiting, I look, this is me regardless. This is going to be me regardless. When I coach you, this is going to be me. You know, we're going to laugh. We're going to joke. We're going to be serious. Uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to learn a lot. We're going to make sure we're good in the classroom. Um, but most of all, I'm going to love you. Now, sometimes it's going to be tough love. Sometimes it's going to be, you know, it's, it'd be easy for you. <laughs> but um, that's part of the process. And so I tell these kids, you, you got you to gotta, you gotta love the process more than just the wins. Because if you don't go through the process, you don't get the wins, period. You know, so that process of getting kids on campus and, and, and learning them in person is is unique and, and it's needed, but right now we can't do it. So now the process is how we're doing it now. You and I right now sit on this call. That's how we got that's Those are the things we have to do with those kids right. and try to learn them in, in, in different ways. Uh, but we get them on campus, and I, I try to tell my kids now, look, man, I'm on this phone with you now. This is how I'm going to be in person. You know, <laughs> when you meet me for the first time, after you sign, you know, so it's unique. But, um, man, we, this is what we have to do. It's a part of the process. And that's what I tell my kids. And this process is unique, but we have to do it. And this is what this is what we're going to do, period. And when you get on campus, I'm still going to be the same person. All right. I'm still going to coach you the same way. I'm still going to coach you hard. You know, it's going to be love. It's going to be caring. Um, we're going to laugh. We're going to joke. We're going to have a good time in our meeting rooms. Um, we're gonna gonna learn a lot in our meeting rooms, and I'm gonna make sure you go to class and get your degree, you know. And and and, and when it comes down to it, that's the that's the most important thing, getting your degree, because I know a lot of these kids have dreams and aspirations of going to play in the NFL, but that usually doesn't happen, you know. You know, it, it doesn't happen for a lot of these you know college players, you know. These student athletes, they have to understand that, heck, man, you got a a one percent chance, and actually a lot lower than that. To, to make make it in the NFL. So let them know that and just coach the heck out of them and get, get that degree. And hopefully that degree is something that you really want to do in your life. And when I and that me myself, I try to make sure that, you know, I try to guide them in the right direction because I was, you know, I, I got guided in the right direction by my coaches in college. So kind of extending that what you're doing in that meeting room to the field here. And, uh, you know, everybody went through that period where there really was no meeting room. It was back to Zoom. You're doing it virtually, whatever it might be. So whether that's live or on the field, I know one of the big things for you uh, in teaching those guys up front is training their eyes. So before you hit the field, what things are you doing in, in order to, to train their eyes? And I guess, you know, stepping back before we even go into that, um, you talked to me a little bit before we got going about the importance of eyes for the defensive linemen, that it's really going to make a difference for them. You know, good eyes, you're going to have good run fits. They're going to protect linebackers, et cetera. Bad eyes, uh, you're going to end up in, in some uh, bad situations. So talk to us about that overall and why it's so important to you. No, no doubt. And, and it starts pre-snap. You know, I, I want to make sure – I teach my guys the game of football and how simple you can make it for yourself up front, how I can slow the game down for them. And how do we do that with our eyes? All right. Understanding um, each week is a different, a different week. And we, we have to understand what offense we're playing this week. Heck, just last week, um, I had to teach my guys where that tight end was. You know, I had to teach them two-man versus three-man surfaces, which they understand the two-man versus three-man surfaces deal, right? But now it plays a huge role in slowing down the game for you and understanding what blocks you're going to get. So if 
I'm a defensive, I'm a five technique. And I'm a, you know, I have to understand that if I have a three-man surface, no matter what it is, if that is attached tight end, if that is a hip tight end, or if that is a sniffer tight end that's to my side, I'm looking for a certain run. And that certain run was outside zone. Um, they had they were an outside zone cutback. So now I know what blocks I'm going to get on the front side. Now I know on the back side, if it's a three-man surface away from me and I got a two-man surface, all right, and they run this outside zone, the stretch play heavily, 85% of the time, I'm going to get cut. So I need to be re get ready to play for this cut block. So it, start, it starts pre-snap with just eyes, all right? So now if I know what block is coming, now I, I lock back in on my primary key, all right? And those are with my eyes. I lock in on my primary key. I know what block is about to come, so I'm going to slow this game down. And now with my eyes, I'm going to strike my primary key, you know, and I come through my hips, hips, hands, and feet violently and get big in my gap. I have to defeat man on before I can do anything else. And that's all with my eyes, my eye progression. You know, it's man on, all right? And then we think about what 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 do we see pre-snap? Right, where's the running back? Is he a pistol? Is he is he um is he gun near? Is he gun far? You know, is he near me? Is he away from me? All right. All right. So what runs can I get if he's away from me with a three-man surface? Outside zone. All right. So now it's all it's, it's all clicking with my eyes. I've done nothing yet, you know, just pre-snap. It was all my eyes. But I know what play is coming because of my eyes. All right. And now, like I said, you, you primary key, you strike your primary key. All right. You got to defeat man on with your, with your, with your hips, hands and feet. All right. Oh, striking and big, big in your gap. Once I defeat man on with my eyes, I go from my primary key. All right. I get my eyes in my gap. All right. There's no one in my gap. I've been playing this play because I, I played the play pre-snap. I know it was outside zone. So now, that cutback has has already presented his, itself, all right? I got my eyes in my gap. I'm big in my gap. It's a cutback. I got primary gap, and then I could arm over, you know, violent release, arm over to my secondary gap to make a play on a running back. And I did all that with my eyes. Of course, I had to strike a player, but if I don't look at my primary key to strike it the correct way, then I'm high. Then I have no power, you know. Then I have no, I have nothing with my hips. I have no power for my hips if I'm looking in the backfield trying to figure out the play, you know. We do that pre-snap. We see all those things pre-snap. And now we can see our primary key, which I tell my guys to keep the tip of the pad of, of, of our um, offensive alignment that we're lined up on, you know. That tip of that pad, you follow that tip of that pad, you strike the tip of that pad, breastplate to the tip of the pad, you know, you get big in your gap. You know, you got eye control in your gap. You're big in your gap. You see your gap. Your gap is under control. You warn your gap. Now you can go make a play. All right, you do it with your eyes. Primary gap, secondary gap. All right, you tear off and, 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 and go make a play on the running back. Or if, you, if it's time to transition, once we already did all this, this process with, process with our eyes, if it's time to transition to the pass rush, that's what we do. So, yes, eyes are huge, 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 huge. If you have bad eyes, you, you're looking in the backfield, you're standing up, you know, you're not, you don't have much power because you're, you're trying to figure out what's going on in the backfield with the running back and the quarterback, and your transition is late. You know, I want to create another line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. And I do that with low pad level. I do that with, violent, with violence, all right, displacing that blocker, all right, and, and, and making sure that I play at a, at a, at a, at, with fanatical effort. And I can't do that with bad eyes, all right? So my eye progression has to be on point. I have to have great eyes in pre-snap. I have to, great, have to have great eyes during the play. And I have to have great eyes understanding. I have a great feel if I have to transition to, from run to past. So, coaches, as you look at the different schemes you're going to face, I think one that's really uh, coming to the forefront at every level right now, um, being used more and more, uh, a lot because it, it works well with the RPO and making sure guys don't get down the field, et cetera. But 
uh, it definitely distorts the defense and open things up is that outside zone, right? And so those gaps in, um, you know, your, your uh, aim, aim point for your eyes, et cetera, start to move very quickly, right? And you have to maintain that gap in integrity uh, in moving gaps. Now, with that play, certainly penetration is, is a, a key factor in stopping it. Uh, you got to be careful with that because as soon as a, a team sees penetration, then they're going to maybe go to some answers there. So uh, a lot goes into defending that play well. With that you know, kind of play that's moving and it's very dynamic, what are some of the key points that you're training your defensive linemen for, especially, again, going back to the eyes? Right. And one thing I always tell my guys, man, is – your, your gap is going to move. These are not trash cans that you're striking. <laughs> so every time that you play this game of football, there's going to be somebody else just as, you know, pissed off as you are, and they want to beat you up, you know. So just because you're training, you're training hard, don't doesn't mean that this offensive line isn't, isn't training hard. And they know they, they, they would know your mannerisms too. They, they, have, they have been coached as well, all right? So let's go into that game understanding that, okay, because we have tendencies too, all right? So, and, and I, I let them know the, the, the realness of it, you know, and, and how we have to play um, with fanatical effort, you know, and I, and I say that, you know, not lightly. You know, some people give you good effort, you know, he, he's okay with effort or whatever. I want fanatical effort. I want those guys playing lights out. When you're on that field, I want you playing. I want you playing so hard that I want you to leave it all out there. All right. If I had to get you, I wrote a lot of defense linemen this year, a lot of young guys too. So if I had to get you out, I can get you out. I got you. You know, and it's a part of the game. But I need you going 110. percent I need everything from you. All right. If I can get that, and with the technique that I'm teaching you, we can be a pretty good dang on D line. Um, so. Um, but back to the eyes and back to that gap moving, you know, we, we got to drill that. And, and that's, you know, I do half line drills and I, and I show them every block they're going to get for that week. We drill it. We, we, we move the offensive line. I'll get my scout O-line guys out there, get them lined up with a, with a running back, with a quarterback, with a, with three down linemen and a tight end if I need them at that time. And we drill it. We drew all my drills are practical drills, and and it will help you be a better football player for this week against this team every week. So having those practical drills and training their eyes um, at nauseum over and over and over and over again, it makes the game a lot easier. It slows the game down. Of course, having good eyes slows it down. But how do you have good eyes? You got to train your eyes, just like you train your body, you train your muscles. But training your eyes. It, it, it's, it's unique because when you train your eyes, you're training your muscle memory, you know, that's a muscle memory to, to, to have my eyes locked in on my keys. All right. I make my guys call out what they see at practice. I mean, the communicator that practice pre-snap. I want to hear it at practice so I can know and be confident that you're going to do it in the game without having to call it out every time. But if you want to call it out, great. Tell, tell, tell the offense what you know about their offense before the play is even snapped. You know, and I drill it, and we move. We move the offensive line. We we'll, we'll stretch them and and have the gap move. And I want those guys to set set the tone um in the game. You know, and they set it at practice first. So, but for myself, you know, we talk about the gap moving and having our eyes, and how do we kind of restrict that? You know, once once we strike half a man. We strike the, the, the tip of that pad. We reach the tip of that pad and strike the breastplate to the tip of that pad. We got to anchor down. We got to get in power school position. We got to restrict that gap. We, we, we can't allow the gap to continue to just widen out and allow that running back to just pick whatever cutback lane he wants. We have to stop the movement of the offensive lineman, all right? At first, you're going to get that move, all right? And you strike that guy away. And you got to have great eyes, of course, like I said. Once you strike him, you have to get in great power scoop position. And that's half a man. And that, and that's on the side of the man where you can actually anchor down and power scoop that offensive lineman down. All right. Basically restricting the gap 
so it won't get as wide. And once you anchor down to stop the moving up offensive linemen, it helps you, for one, to get big in your gap, to declare your gap, have great gap integrity, but it helps the linebacker as well. As he's, he's running free, all right? All right, so when he runs free and, and you're helping him out with that, now we can go make a play with our eyes, understanding what we're going to get next. All right, so I, I teach a, a bunch of different techniques to, to kind of solidify that we are okay. And, and I get a lot of this stuff, you know, and like every other coach, they, you know, you get it from somebody else and you, and you remix it and make it your own, you know. And I, I learned a lot from um, Pete Jenkins. Um, I actually met him several times in clinic with him um, over here at UK. So it's a lot of coaches that do the same stuff that I do. Um, and, and a lot of us got it from Pete Jenkins and a lot of us kind of, you know, put our own little mix to it to make it, you know, who we are as a coach. So, mm -hmm. but that great eyes, uh, great technique and understanding the, the, the defense, what we need to do in this defense is huge. So that, that power scoop position and that, you know, um, vital release to the running back or the quarterback is is going to be major. It, it's I tell my guys up front, man, it's not a a difficult game at D-line. Look, man, you want to be more violent than that guy in front of you. You want to have great eyes. You want to strike them, all right, trade another line of scrimmage. And if they're, you know, going to – they're zoning, oh, zoning to your zoning way, all right, we have to play it. You know, we have to restrict gaps. We're on the backside of a zone. We get get ready for a cut or something of that nature, and get ready to um be deepest, deepest, and chase it down. Because there's always a reverse. There's always a you know a end around something that can you know that can run off of that. Because if you're chasing it down from the back end, they're gonna see it up top. The coaches up top, they're coaches too. They're gonna see it. All right, that man, that defense end on the backside. He's not even worried about the quarterback. They're gonna run some type of boot off of it. You know, um, so. All that stuff is is coaching too, you know. When we 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 and I and I make sure I go through those drills. And I have my guys understand. Now, if I get I get if I'm on the backside of the if it's a zone read, you know, if I'm a defensive end, and it's a true zone read of that quarterback looking at that defensive end. All right, now we're gonna slow play that. We're gonna, you know, read the tackle. Tackle goes down. He's veer blocking. All right, and I squeeze all the air out of it. I make sure my gap is closed, okay, and I'm staying square. And then once that quarterback, I'm reading the mesh. Once that quarterback gives it, and I can chase it down. Now, if I get the back of the quarterback and he's not actually reading me, but it's the same blocking schemes and everything's the same, and I get the back of the quarterback, now I'm chasing it down right away. Now, if guys up top see that on film, then that's when they'll run a boot out of it. And – you know, I got to coach that up too. So now I'm telling that kid to chase it down, but chase it down slow, if that makes sense to you. So I'll still go through my progressions of squeezing and taking the air out of it. And then once I see that back, then I'm chasing it through the back of the quarterback, if that makes sense to you. I want to get as deep as deep, but I want to chase it as deep as deep. And I want my three technique that's away from me. And I want my end to set their edges in great power school position. They set their edges. All right, we got linebackers running down to fit it, and I'm coming on the backside to chase it down. So, so small sure. things of that nature that help helps you with your eyes, you know. Absolutely. Um, you know, Coach, to, to wrap things up, um, you, you've, you've covered a lot here today for us. But, you know, with what you do as a coach and uh, what you try to, to do to make your players successful on and off the field, what's the one thing – you feel that you do that really gives them the winning edge care about them love them be honest with you um these, these kids kids are not going to play and i mean they, they're going to play hard you know they're going to go hard it's football you kind of got to do it you're forced to do it i want kids to love doing what they're doing on the field i want them to have a passion for it if they love it and they have a passion for it and they, if they were run, run through a brick brick wall for you, then you're going to get every bit of everything about those kids, all 110% of them. I mean, I, I need it all. I want it all. And I build that in the meeting rooms or in just regular conversations with the kids, mm -hmm. you know. 
my kids can come in my office and they can sit down and talk to me for 20 minutes. And it's not even about football. It's about just life. It's about the situations they're going through at home. You know, it's about the little brother is, you know, going through something back at home and they want to talk about that or mom, dad, auntie, uncle, whatever the case may be. These kids won't play for you unless, and when I say play for you, of course, you get, the kids are going to play regardless. But I mean, really play for you, you know, want to see and want to be great because they want to make their coach proud. And, and they're going to do everything in their power to make their coach proud because they know that you care, you know. And, and once they find out that you care, you love them, man, they will run through a brick wall for you. And, and, I, and I feel like, you know, in some places this is lost art. A lot of coaches do it, but a lot of coaches don't. I really care about my kids. I love them, and I tell them that. You know, I'm not going to go uh, uh, after any game or at, before any game, and, and I don't tell those kids that I love them. I want them to know that, you know, and, and it's true, and it's honest. You know, I, I, I have a connection with those guys that I feel like it's my, own, it's my child. You know, if something, if something happens off the field and they're late for a class or, you know, whatever the case may be, I'm calling, where are you? You know, like I, like I would call my seven-year-old, what are you doing, you know? And and I treat them as, you know, as such, like I, I, I'm, a, I'm a father figure to some of them, I'm a big brother figure to some of them that, that have a father figure already. So, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being that person. But it, I don't feel like there's any special sauce or anything. I just feel like you got to actually love your players. You got to care about them. You got to show it. You got to say it. And you got to you preach it and you got to do it. And once you do that, they'll do the same for you. They'll love you back, and they'll show you that they love you back. Their care back, and their care is playing their tails off for you, and 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 actually running through a brick wall for you, and and doing the things that you ask them to do, but with a fanatical effort. Coach, it's great stuff, and um, I appreciate you sharing all that. Before we go, I want to make sure our listeners know uh, your recruiting areas. So if they have uh, somebody who they think fits for you they could get in contact with you what areas do you recruit well right now i'm, I'm local um kentucky lexington area uh, mercer county area so the local kentucky areas from from richmond here and also i recruit the um the mid to south so from from dublin georgia basically on all the way down of georgia um i have the entire state of alabama okay and i got south florida so you guys got anybody in, in those, you know, Alabama, because it's tough to recruit the entire state. Uh, if you got somebody in Alabama and South Florida there, just, man, don't, don't hesitate to let me know because recruiting right now is all virtual. So. Yep. And, Coach, best way to, for them to connect with you? Um, my Twitter. I'm usually on my Twitter. I'm usually hipped with my phone. So it's Coach J. Hawkins, just Coach. The letter J, Hawkins, H-A-W-K-I-N-S. It's real easy, at Coach J Hawkins. Well, Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time. It was great to connect with you here, and I look forward to, to uh, seeing what you do here in the future. You definitely uh, have, have done some great things so far, and I think uh, there's a lot more for us to watch with Coach Jeremy Hawkins. So, again, thanks for taking the time. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five-star for it. Right? If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new home for the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. That's at coachandcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.